0: Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected, or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Plant family, I want to thank you for joining us again for our online campus. And I just wanna thank all of you who have really leaned in to our new campus online during this whole COVID pandemic. And I do wanna say this, it it is very important for you to know that no matter where you are, that we want to be present for you. If you ever need any form of pastoral care or a pastoral phone call, please reach out to us and we would love to be able to contact you and just check in on you, see how you're doing. Uh, We believe that we are here for you In this season of time, and so because of all that's been going on, we want to thank you for joining us, and we want to be present for you. We are going to continue today in our series called Come and See Jesus, because our desire is to get a fresh perspective of Christ in a world gone wrong. And for us, is because we've been living in our homes, and, and we've had to shelter in place, and because we've been quarantined, and because we haven't been able to live the normal life we have in the past, I really believe that we needed to come and see Jesus with a fresh perspective. Because right now, we are looking at the lens of the world through our own perspective, which can get very clouded. You know, watching the news can distort us. Watching too much Netflix can distort us. Talking to to the people that only believe the way that we do can distort us. And that's why today I want to focus on a certain passage, because one area that has really has broken my heart during this season of COVID, uh, for for many reasons, is that there has been something that's been going on in our culture that I believe has been elevated and magnified over the last year. Let me read the definition of the tension that I have seen happen in our culture today. It's called the cancel culture. The cancel culture refers to the popular practice of withdrawing support for, meaning canceling, public figures and companies after they have done or said something considered objectionable or offensive to an individual. Cancel culture is generally discussed as being performed on social media in the form of group shaming. And so what we have really have been seeing and it's not only this year during COVID, but over the last I would say 7 years a building up of canceling people out. Meaning, if we don't like what they say, we cancel them. We cut them off in our relationships. If we are posting things that, that people don't like or, or even recognize, we just, we defriend them. And what we have done is we have taught our children to not only live in a, in a culture that we cancel others out, but our children are manifesting that they are canceling out people in their group settings whether it be in their schools, whether it be in their networks, whether it be in their little pods, that they are canceling people out. And we are seeing young people that are shaming one another and being shamed. And being a father of of young adults, I have really experienced this. And and also being a pastor, I have watched people on social media just, just canceling others out. And what we are learning in our American Western culture is that we have lost compassion and empathy for those individuals who are different than us, for those who don't agree with us, for those who don't like what we are saying or how we believe. And as we're trying to get a fresh perspective of Christ, I think we need to come and see That there is a teaching in Jesus' Beatitudes that, that talks about we are not called to cancel people. We are called to be the presence of Christ in the midst of a world gone wrong. So I wanna pray and I wanna ask that we would have hearts that are open and sensitive to the teachings of Jesus to transform us into his likeness and how he responds to others who have offended him, who have hurt him, so that we could reflect the love of God to the world around us. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you for an opportunity to, to join our online campus. God, I, I look forward to every opportunity that I get to speak to those who who purposely jump on to watch our sermons. I pray this day that this message would be filled with two things, grace. And truth. Jesus, my prayer during COVID is that I would have a fresh perspective of you. And so that is my prayer for the, the people that you have called me to lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn with me to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 verse 7, or you can just look at it on the screen because it's, it's there as well. It says here in Matthew 5 verse 7, God blesses Those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. In Matthew chapter 5, it begins with a list of teachings by Jesus called the Beatitudes. I believe that when I look at all of the Gospels, that all of the teachings that Jesus has points back to the Beatitudes. And Jesus says, as one of his Beatitudes, he says, God blesses those who are merciful, for they shall shall be shown mercy. So the question is, what does it mean to be merciful? What does mercy mean? Mercy means this, to, to have compassion towards someone who is under another's power. Mercy, to have compassion towards someone who is under another's power. Now, when we think about the word, compassion, we think about an emotion towards, towards a child who is in great need or a homeless person on the street. And, and our emotions are stirred when we see them and, and we have compassion for them. We want to help them. We, we hurt for them. We don't want to see them in that place of what I would call misery. But Mercy is is also a little bit more. If if we're really going to push into what mercy is, it says that mercy is having compassion towards someone who's under another's power, under another's authority, under another person who has the upper hand. And so mercy is more than just compassion or empathy. It's the person who's in a place of power or control as they look at someone who is underneath them and says, My heart is hurting for them. How can I help? So who are some of these individuals? They could be employees. They could be a child. They could be a fellow student, a fellow teammate, someone that we have the upper hand on. And so if mercy is to have compassion on another person we have power over, how might one show mercy to that individual? And that's really the question. How do we show mercy to someone we are over? Now, remember what I said that all the teachings of Jesus kind of point back to the Beatitudes? Turn with me now to Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Now, remember what I said to you, whenever we look at the gospel narratives, we're just holding on to Matthew the whole time through. So let's read a parable from Jesus that talks about What mercy is and what mercy looks like. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came to him, to Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now stop right there. I love how Peter asked the question. Lord, how often should I, me personally, forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Like that seems like a lot. I have to forgive that person seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. 490 times? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process One of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. If you have your Bible, underline that. Millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, I will pay it back. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't. Wait. He had the man arrested and put him in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have Mercy. Again, if you have your Bible, underline that. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant? Underline this. Just as I had mercy on you. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you. If you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your hearts. So let's look at these three characters. Oftentimes we think about just the two main characters: the, the king and the debtor, but really there was the king, the debtor, and the servants. The debtor went to the king because the king was ordering for those who owed him a money and a lot of money to, to make it right, to clear the debts and the king was going to get rid of the debtor and and his wife and his children and everything he had and even then it probably wasn't enough to pay back the debt but the debtor begged cried out for mercy have compassion on me and the king in great pity had mercy remember the king was over the debtor and and he forgave him he saw he had compassion he had empathy in the place of debt that this debtor was in and he forgave him but then you had the debtor and think about this what would you have done right away if you knew that that this king was so gracious with you how do you think it would have changed the course of your perspective you would think that he would go and forgive everybody else's debt make right with everyone just as the king did with the debtor but no the debtor found the debtor set out to identify his servant that owed him a fraction of what he owed the king. And he beat him. And he demanded payment. Now, I find it very interesting when I was really, and again, I've preached on this many times. But as I've read through this several times, a couple things that really I saw. One, I love how Peter said, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone? And then Jesus gives this example of the king forgiving the debtor's great debt, but then the debtor not forgiving the person who had a fraction of the debt. And I believe this. I believe Jesus was speaking to the human heart, that we long for people to have compassion, empathy, mercy with us, forgiving us. Of all types of wrongdoings that we do, but but when it comes to other people, our human heart acts more like the debtor than the gracious King. And so Jesus, when he when he was was when he was asked by Peter about this question about forgiveness, he uses the word mercy. Mercy, having compassion for someone that you have the upper hand. Over someone that you have control over. And who are those people that we oftentimes have an upper hand on? Are those people who have hurt us, offend us, those people who have wronged us? And so we always feel that we have the upper hand on another individual, someone that we have control of or power over. But when you look at the teachings of of this parable, and then you look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, the merciful. Jesus was talking about forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a person's willingness to excuse a fault or an offense, to pardon, to renounce anger or resentment against, to absolve from payment of, the example is of a debt. Have you ever heard that phrase, forgiving a debt? Meaning that debt is not only just wiped away, but it's forgotten, never brought up, Again, when your debt is forgiven, that debt cannot be held against you. And I find it so so significant that one of the topics that Jesus talks about more than any other topic, and one topic that the Bible talks about more than any other topic, is the topic of finances. Because finances is so near and dear to our hearts. So when we talk about forgiveness, he's talking about a person's willingness to excuse, to pardon, to absolve a debt that someone has against you. When God forgives, He cancels, He pardons, holding no record of wrong against us. Forgiveness is God's gift of not holding one's offense against them. Look what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Those who have offended God How do we offend God? We offend God when we distort and reject his will. God's whole desire for humanity has been since the garden, since creation, to engage in a relationship with humanity. And so how did Adam and Eve sin when they distorted and rejected God's perfect will? Don't do this, because when you do that, you will reject my will that you are able to trust every single thing I have in store for you. And when we think about forgiveness, we think about the really the the connection where God is saying, I want to forgive your willingness to reject my will for your life. And so what does he do? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That he would absolve our sin as a payment for the Father. To identify sin is to identify that we have broken relationship between God and us. That's what it means when we identify that we've sinned. That we identify that we have broken relationship between between God and us. To ask forgiveness of our sins means that we are asking God to cancel the penalty, the debt that has separated us from God. Now, this is where the correlation comes in. The king and the debtor, God and humanity. The correlation between God and us And then what we're about to see is us and others. When we cheat, when we manipulate, when we offend, when we lie, when we take advantage of another person, we sin against that person. Sin is when we violate relationship, not only with God, but one another. Yes, plant family. We not only sin against God when we reject or distort God's will to be in relationship with Him, but we sin against one another when we reject the principles of relationships with one another, when we manipulate, offend, when we lie, when we take advantage of one another. Yes, we sin against one another. And just like sin separates our relationship between God and us. sin separates you and I when we sin against one another. And I really believe this is the idea of this whole concept where we have created a a, can, a culture that we cancel one another out. When we offend, when we lie, when we take advantage of we in our brokenness, we have created a canceled culture that we do not forgive one another for the wrongs or the misleadings that we do. And this is what's interesting. Let, let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. Right after Jesus taught the Beatitudes, he taught on prayer. And after he taught on prayer, this is how he, he ended his, his teaching on prayer. And this is really where the rubber meets the road plant family If we really understand the gospel, we truly understand forgiveness. Look what Matthew 5.12 says. These are the, the red letters of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. And forgive us our sins, Father. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. When you look at the cross, you have a a vertical and a horizontal line. Our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And Jesus says, when you truly understand forgiveness, when you truly understand mercy, right? Mercy and forgiveness go hand in hand. Compassion, empathy, pity. we, We see that. In 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 that parable in Matthew 18, they go hand in hand. When we fully understand the mercy that God has on our lives, the, the compassion that God has on our lives, the empathy, the pity that God has on us, it changes the direction of our lives. And I know that when Jesus was telling Peter this, he says, humanity's natural instinct is even when you have been blessed, With the grace of God, you are going to struggle with mirroring God's grace to others. And so you start putting all the teachings together. Remember I said how the Beatitudes are kind of like the the, the groundwork, the foundation of all of Jesus' teachings, right? In his prayer, forgive us our sins as as we forgive those who sin against us. And then he gives the whole idea of uh, of the debtor, that parable in Matthew 18. We're seeing that, that how God forgives us. We are called to forgive others. This is what it says in Ephesians 4.32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Ephesians 4.32. Instead, be kind to each other. So when do we be kind? When those who have hurt you, offended you, sinned against you, wronged you, lied to you. Be tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Just as God, through Christ Jesus, has forgiven you. I want you to... There's going to be a, something that I've really worked through throughout my Christian life that's going to be posted right now. After I say it, I want you to pause. And I want you to write this down. To understand the gospel... Is not simply how we understand forgiveness granted from God to us. But understanding the gospel is how we grant forgiveness to those who have sinned against us. If you really understand the gospel. If you really have, have received and experienced the gospel, the good news, the forgiveness of Jesus. We will mirror that to others. True confession, this was the hardest part of my journey of faith. Because when I was little, I was offended. And I had some real rights to hold unforgiveness against another individual. And for years, I had a person who offended me my whole childhood. And it even pushed into my teenager's years. And I was one of those individuals who came to Christ and had this crazy transformation, but yet I could not get over the offense of the other. And there came a point when I really read the gospel, and I read Matthew 18, and I read Matthew 5, and then I read the prayer of Jesus. I'm like, do I really understand the gospel? Because I can't forgive that individual who had offended me, who had harmed me, who had lied to me, who had manipulated me. And it wasn't until I fully experienced the grace of God and the abundance of forgiveness that I was able to let go of the offense that another person had done towards me. And I forgave that person. And I let it go. And I'll tell you this. This culture was lying to me. Cancel that individual out. Write them off. They deserve any penalty that they have done towards you. And our culture, and being a Generation Xer, being a Gen Xer, we were brought up in this society that we have taken on the cancel culture and we have poured it onto our children, that we pick and choose the grace, the mercy, the compassion, the empathy that we have on others. And right now, Generation X, we are the culprit of the cancel culture. We are pouring it onto our children. And yet, when I read the Gospels, we are never allowed to cancel others out. Because God has not canceled you. God has not canceled you. Romans 8, so now there's no condemnation, no guilt for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We believe that God has granted us forgiveness and holds no wrongdoing, no sin, no debt against us. Let me ask you, Is there something in your life that you need to get right with God? Is there something in your life you need to make right with God? Is there something that that you have rejected or you have distorted the will of God that you're saying today, Rob, I feel like God has canceled me out. God has never canceled you. God will never cancel you. God could never cancel you. Today, because of Jesus, there is no condemnation for your debts. Because Jesus brings that debt to the Father, and the Father forgives you because of the work that Jesus has done. First John 1 John 1.9 But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I had to come to a point where I had to look at my depth of sin and see that if Jesus forgave me of all of my garbage... I need to be able to forgive those who sin against me. I had to forgive that individual who offended me, who sinned against me. Because my understanding of forgiveness is how I forgive those who have offended me. And When we look at the gospel, just as as Christ has forgiven us, we need to forgive those who Who sinned against us. Plant family. Who who is that individual who has wronged you? Who has offended you? Who has slandered you? It says in Colossians 3.13, and we see this throughout the epistles. This is what the disciples, the apostles learned from their master. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive one another who offend you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Plant family. Who is that person who has offended you? Who is that person who's offended you? Let me ask you a little deeper question. Who is that person you have offended? It's not only about us, it's only not it's not only about me. It's, we don't live in this me culture, even though our culture tells us that we live in a me culture. Two things. Who is the person who has offended you and who is the person you have offended? And who is that person that you have canceled? Who is that person that you have canceled? Yes, I have canceled others out. And God said to me, Rob, you don't cancel others out because I never canceled you out. You forgive as I have forgiven. You pardon the wrongs done against you as I pardon the wrongs done against you. You grace people as I have graced you. Now, does that mean that I engage in unhealthy patterns and relationships again? No, With I don't do that with those individuals. But what I do do is I pardon them. I forgive them. I grace them. And if God calls us to reunite, I do reunite with those individuals. But we've created this whole idea of a, of a canceling culture. The church. The church is guilty of this. We cancel other people out that are different than us, that act different, believe different, look different, behave different. We cancel them out. Listen to this. The only thing that we should cancel is allowing this culture to determine how we treat one another. The only thing that we should cut off as the church is that we should cancel the culture that determines how we treat one another. We need to be the community that literally expresses, emulates, embodies, manifests the love of Christ as we study the truth of Christ so that we can live in the compassion of Christ towards one another. To understand the gospel... It is not simply how we understand forgiveness granted from God to us. But understanding how we grant forgiveness to those who have sinned against us. We have all been sinned against. We have all been sinned against. And we have all sinned against one another. Revival is my heart cry. And it begins with a revival in my soul. And the only way that revival has come to my soul and can come to our church and can come to our nation and come to our world is when we cancel the culture we live in that is telling us to cancel one another out. No. No. We show mercy as the Father has shown mercy to us. We are going to go into a song of worship right now. And there are three questions I want you to ask. Who is that person who has offended you? That's question number one. Question number two, who is that person you have offended? Come on, plant family. You want revival? You go ask for forgiveness. Who's the person who's offended you? Who's the person you have offended? And then third, who is that person you have canceled? I am asking Holy Spirit right now during this song of worship that we would be like Peter, truly dealing with the topic of issue The issue of forgiveness. Jesus doesn't say, forgive seven times. Jesus, what you say is you say, come, represent the Father. So Holy Spirit, bring to mind those who have offended, those we have offended, and that one individual who we've canceled out.